I'm here, sir. Sarah, I'm here. I'm here. You don't want to die! Sarah! Reach up and grab him! Reach up! Sarah, reach Come up! Come on, honey! Use your other hand! Reach up! Reach up now! Sarah, you to reach up! That was Mountain Rescue Action Hero Gabe, played by Sylvester Stallone, trying to rescue a friend from a climbing accident in the opening of 1993's Cliffhanger. This week, we're going to the mountains ourselves, not physically, but you know, through the medium of film, to watch the mountain climbing slash existential drama, The Summit of the Gods. We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films, and films are better than people. I'm Sam. And I'm Lawrence. You were the only one who didn't panic. So why don't you do us a favor and quit hoarding all the guilt? You held on as long as you could. I really don't think you understand. What? I don't think you understand. I don't understand? I think I'm the only one that understands. So there's lots of films in cinemas at the moment, but actually this week we're going to talk about a film that was released on Netflix at the end of last year called The Summer of the Gods, and Sam is going to tell you the plot. Makoto Fukamachi is a photojournalist covering a failed climb up Mount Everest. Afterwards in Kathmandu, a thief offers Fukamachi an old camera thought to be George Mallory's, a legendary climber who went missing on Everest in the 1920s. Fukamachi then sees Habu Joji take the camera from the thief. Habu was once considered one of the best climbers in Japan until going AWOL after an expedition that nearly killed him. The film follows Fukamachi as he writes the story of Habu's life and disappearance as well as the mystery behind George Mallory's camera. Or, as a haiku, Great peaks to scale, journey upwards and inwards, too cold and too high. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That'll be my opinion too of climbing. Yes, it's not really doesn't yeah doesn't really appeal to me. I don't really like heights. I prefer the cold to the hot, but probably not that cold. It does look too cold. But I mean, you quite like climbing movies. Well, yeah, we and might everything. get we might get onto this later. But I really love climbing films. And does I, it not make you want to go climbing? Then? Well, no. This is the thing. I think part of the thrill about watching these films is that I just think how horrible and horrendous would be, and it would be like my hell. <laughs> having to try and climb a mountain um, and the danger and the sheer terror that would involve. It's like how some people get scared easily but yeah. they watch horror films. Yeah. I watch climbing films. Those are my horror films. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, in the spirit of that, uh, here's a clip. Climbing. More climbing. Always higher. And for what? The first documented summit of Everest was in 1953, but it wasn't the first attempt. It's been 70 years since Mallory disappeared. If anyone found him, we'd know, all right? Hey, man, take it easy. I can explain. How about Joji? So the guy disappeared years ago and reappears just like that with Mallory's camera? If Mallory reached the summit, that changes climbing history. First of all, I think it's, it's worth saying that this is a French animation based off a manga, which itself is based off of a novel. Uh, from Japan. A French-Japanese fusion. 
A fr- yes, exactly. French-Japanese fusion. Uh, I, I mean, I watched this on kind of your recommendation because you were so interested by it. But yeah, I mean, this was absolutely magnificent. I, I mean, I was blown away. It, it's such a simple and subtle film, and yet it's just so incredibly powerful. I haven't been moved by something like this in quite a while. It's really special. Yeah, it is really good, and I think it it felt unlike Netflix to promote and push this type of film, weirdly, because, I mean, it came out in the last part of 2021, Mm -hmm. where you sort of were having a lot of the year's biggest releases on Netflix, obviously around that time, around Christmas and December, people are going to sort of watch TV, or they're going to get around with their families and watch something. But the fact this this came out around that same time, and it, it was all, it was never kind of one of these films that you'd have to dig really hard for on Netflix. It was always on like the main page, and that's why it caught my eye straight away. The animation looked amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I was really blown away as well. Um, I just think it was a, a beautiful animation, a really engaging story, really well told, and I think it's almost universal. I think most people could take something away from it. The animation is incredible. I mean, first off, I mean, this is, it's based on a manga. So, I mean, it does have the Japanese iconography, the anime style, but it isn't an anime, you know, in, in, in the stricter sense. I mean, it's, it's a French animation studio that made this. But that was, I think they're called Folivari. Oh, right. Um, and one of the creative producers also, I think, helped some of Cartoon Saloon's animations. I okay. think we've talked a bit about Cartoon Saloon before they did oh. Song of the Sea, and they did Wolf Walkers. Yeah, Wolf Walkers, amazing. some of the best animations made in the past five years. So if uh, I'm not quite sure exactly of the link between Cartoon Saloon and uh, Folivari, but I think you can kind of tell from this that, that there's kind of similarities between the two, uh, the two animation houses. There is, both yeah, incredible animating teams. Uh, in this, in 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 the summit of the gods, I mean the animation. There's you you capture so much detail with an animation like this. You feel like you're just watching the mountains with fresh eyes. Like the immense beauty, the scope of the mountain, along with its harshness, its brutality, it's all there. You you really feel watching this. This would never have been able to be captured by shooting live action. That's kind of why I wanted to start by mentioning it's an, it's an animation, because using that the technique of animation, you, you see the mountains in a way that I've never seen it before, and it's wonderful. There's plenty of beautiful mountains on film, but this feels different, fresh, uh, and that's important. I mean, something as well-trodden as mountain climbing in films, I mean, it's also really good at capturing, not just in the nature but also like uh, people's faces you know the static nature of the way that you draw characters like this in an animation like this especially towards the end they can really capture a lot of emotion without actually doing very much or saying very much and that's very very powerful i mean you're up there yourself really in the sense that the way that they draw these mountains it very much is sort of very immersive and Every single time the climbers are in peril, or every single time you know you see them like climb, you know, by each each arm at a time, mm-hmm. you kind of feel that you're there with them. That might be easy to do through a documentary where you see it for real, but it's just again that sort of really high quality animation that is able to sort of put you in that place. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's, they're never quite content with one thing. Like t- towards the end, there's this incredible sequence as the mountain becomes more and more treacherous, the conditions become harsh, that they manage to convey uh, Fukumachi, the, the journalist, him being overwhelmed 
by the, the strain on his body and the effect it has on it by the by, by by the mountain starting to bleed red and flow onto him and it's it's an intense psychedelic moment but it, you know just when you think that, that they can't throw something else at you they they yeah. do it's a, it's amazing great sequence and for animation to sort of keep getting better and better throughout the film is miraculous in a way to be honest because i think you know you want to be able to present like the best animation that you can um at the start of the film maybe but mm-hmm. the fact that this keeps topping itself uh, all the way through and yeah as you say that sequence towards the end i think you really get the sense that someone's about to lose their life through that yeah through that sense of dread and terror and yeah. say that the use of red which has hardly been seen throughout the film when they use that in in terms of that spectrum i think it's, it's it just looks amazing habu this mysterious mountain climber that sort of disappeared is right at the center of the story and he's this utterly driven like monk like seemingly emotionless mountaineer and we're watching throughout the film the, the aura that this man creates and watching his ambition to climb the mountain you know we get to know him we, we we don't really learn some deep dark secret about him like that would be really tacky i think if, if the film did that we actually see that he does have emotions and he understands that this obsession is dangerous and he he knows this and accepts this but he isn't a sociopath you know he won't destroy others to achieve this goal and that's when you kind of start to wonder in the film that's the real meat of the film about halfway through i'd say that you start to wonder well, why is he doing this? And that's the—that's, I think, the, the central question that guides the film. Why is he climbing? Why? Why do people climb? Why do they do this incredible, dangerous thing? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a dual narrative, isn't it? Because the, when the journalist gets back from Kathmandu and he goes to see his editor in Tokyo, the editor wants him to write a story about George Mallory's camera. He says, "Oh, what's the mystery behind this? If this is..." the camera of George Mallory. You know, this is a huge discovery, really. Yeah. Something that will become one of the most, the biggest stories in the world. But actually, what uh, Fukumachi wants to do, he wants to find out about Habu. Because I think everyone thinks at this point that Habu, this legendary mountaineer, has, has died or has gone AWOL, but he's still near Everest. And there's there's something behind that. It's like, why is he near Everest? Why is he still trying to climb when he's had this horrendous injury and he's, yeah, he's kind of disappeared from the worldview. And this is what drives the journalist. It's not really about this discovery of, of Mallory's camera. So I think that's really interesting. You've kind of got these dual dual stories competing against each other. It's it's absolutely it's a really great way to sort of um, motivate and, and keep the film going. And I think there's a, there's a lot about obsession in in the film, but I mean the real amazing thing about it is that actually uh, uh, obsession and and one and and wanting to conquer something like that's that that's something that we see in films a, a lot. But in this, it's it's actually really really different. There's not some crazy reason behind it, but the way they present what drives them is free from like the toxic, like macho bullshit you might see in a sports film. I, I, although I do think the DNA of a sports film is actually kind of in some the summit of the gods, uh, but they present an answer that's just so human in, in such a delicate but powerful way. I was really moved by it, like nearly to tears. You know, you relate to it. And that's something that animation does really, really well. It does move people more in than, you know, an actual feature film does in, in some ways, really. It can do, yeah, it can do. But I think that, I, I, I don't, I, and there was a lot to, to, to be moved by in terms of the beauty of, of how it looked. But it, it was it was actually that core message, the fact that they'd managed to kind of strip down that obsession and that it wasn't about admiring some champion, but you really related to why people would do something that seems so insane and so futile. And it's it's amazing. 
to to experience something like that. That you don't just see the mountains in a completely different way in this film. You see the the reason behind climbing the mountains in a completely different way in this film, and that's really special. Yeah, I just think Habu's journey is just so amazing, and it's really delicately told. As you say, he starts off out very arrogant and very uncompromising, and the way that he has this kind of this this solo obsession with climbing, and he sort of just doesn't want anyone else around him. He wants to be this person that's able to be the best and conquer the world. And he has a rival called Hase, who's often sort of beating him and, and getting him to, be, or becoming the you know the most famous climber in Japan. So there's mm-hmm. there's something about a nearly man about him. Um, without getting into it too much, he's actually climbing with a boy at one point, and unfortunately, there's a terrible accident on the mountain, um, which then kind of bleeds into the rest of his journey, really. And I think that's kind of really fascinating how you see someone go from being someone that's incredibly um, uncaring and unsympathetic to someone that you know sort of just does care in the end, yeah. and he becomes more of a rounded human being. He is. He's on. He's on a lot of different journeys, and we 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 watch him on all of them. And it is it is a film about journeys. I mean, again, I think when you get to the end of the film, you understand that more. This is a film about journeys. It's only ninety minutes long, but you still feel like you're going on so many journeys throughout it. I feel like I've completely missed this, and it's baffling because I think so many people will get something out of this. The real power of the film is that they find this idea of, of achievement and conquering an incredible goal and boil it down to something simple, subtle, beautiful. I mean, it is moving without being overwhelming or cheesy. Like, it's a real treat. I, I really recommend that everyone give this a shot because, I mean, it's, it's, it's on Netflix. It's just 90 minutes long, but it doesn't cover you in sentiment. It just very delicately shows you something really beautiful and human that we can all relate to. But with such scope, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, I mean, there are so many amazing technical components of the film. I mean, I don't think we've even touched on the score yet, which again oh, is amazing, and, so um, beautiful. It complements the mountains really, really well. It has this very sort of ethereal soundtrack. Those strings think, and stuff. It reminded me of like Howard Shore or something. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good comparison. Howard Shore, who did the uh, score for Lord of the Rings and yeah. stuff. So yeah, you kind of have this yeah this, this real sense of escapism um, on so many different levels throughout the film, but. Yeah, it's 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 amazingly drawn, and I just think the script as well. The script is is almost perfect. It is a bit of a mystery in the end, and actually, the thing as we were getting towards the end of the film, I just don't think it ever does properly resolve itself, which is good because you have so many different takeaways. I think sometimes a film can you be do, incredibly yeah. frustrating because it's so subjective, but actually, I think when this film ends. There are still a few questions left unanswered, but I think that's fine. I still think you feel it's come to its natural conclusion, but you've learned so much about the characters involved, and and yeah, you're, it's it's just such an inspiring story, really. Why are you doing it? Once you get a taste for it, there's no going back. You can't live without it. And if you like this, I will go a bit left field and recommend First Man from 2018. Neil Armstrong, played by Ryan Gosling, is a NASA test pilot in the early 1960s who suffers the devastating loss of his daughter from a brain tumour. He throws himself into his job and soon an opportunity for the first manned flight to the moon presents itself. But can he overcome the dangers and his own grief to make a historic achievement? He does of course do that, it's Neil Armstrong, but that's not the point of the film and here's a clip. The vehicle's not safe. 
We need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. This isn't just another trip, Neil. You're not just going to work. Do you think you're coming back? There are risks, but we have every intention of coming back. So the reason I picked this is because it's also about an obsession to achieve something which is incredibly dangerous, uh, but it's also about the journey of a man to conquer something that's quite inward, and a man that has difficulty expressing his emotions and his grief, uh, a lot like Habu in the in the Summit of the Gods. The big inward journey surrounded by an outside mortal dangers is what links it to Summit of the Gods as well for, for me. It's a great film that really captures the risks of Apollo 11, which is something I didn't know anything about, but there's these wonderful sequences of the test flights and how they're just kind of like rickety tin cans, basically. Like the moon landing is often framed as epic, but this is really claustrophobic and and, and just full of terror. There's a great cast uh, headed up by Gosling, like people mock him for his lack of range or emotionality sometimes, but it's incredibly difficult to get the psychology of a character like Armstrong across. You have to be really subtle, and he's really great at that in this. And if you want to lack emotion, Ryan Gosling is your man. Yeah, I guess he, I guess no, he is. No, he's much better than that. <laughs> um, Dave, well, he is, I mean, but, and he's great for this. I mean, he's perfect for this. Um, uh, Damien Chazelle of Whiplash and La La Land kind of directs this. But only like a, a kind of master of sound and vision uh, like him could have found an original way to frame one of those famous moments in history. This also is a film that you really championed back in the day. I might not have liked it quite as much as you did, but uh, it's really special to see something so famous framed in such a human way. And maybe it's like kind of that human connection as well that also links these two films. Yeah. Yeah, they don't even uh, focus on the moon landing too much. Which I think is really interesting. I think it's oh, it's it's more about the build up and it's more yeah. about the history and the politics behind it. Yeah, uh, which is kind of yeah more fascinating. I mean, don't get me wrong; they they do land on the moon. You do see that. <laughs> don't worry. If, you, if you're wanting to see a film about a, a moon landing, it does happen. But I think what I'm trying to say there's more emphasis on the build up to it and who Neil Armstrong was really, and as you say, what what drove him. So I think if you watch the the Summit of the Gods and you're interested in that journey outside, that is also about a kind of journey inside. Then this is also a good one. I I also really wanted to pick a film that wasn't another climbing film. I know you have picked one, but I wanted to see if I could find one that wasn't that. And I also I think that like the Summit of the Gods is about more than just climbing, even though it is a lot about mountaineering and climbing and everything um so yeah this is uh this is another good one and if you didn't like this i recommend 14 peaks nothing is impossible which is also on netflix and was released five days after the summit of the gods on netflix as well <laughs> really so this is another climbing <laughs> film this is another climbing film not an animation but a documentary and it's about an ex-Gurkha, an ex-Special Forces soldier, Nirmal Persia, as he and his team attempt to climb all 14 of the world's highest peaks in seven months. The fastest time to climb all the 14 was seven years. The plan is to go and hit the summit directly. If I can stay alive, I can do this in seven months. Giving up is not in the blood, sir. It's not in the blood. So yeah, as I say, completely different genre, completely different format. All the footage taken by Namal up those peaks, and then also done in interviews after the event. Why would you watch this if you didn't like The Summit of the Gods? Uh, well, if you didn't like The Summit of the Gods, then you're insane. But uh, <laughs> no, I think, to be honest, I think maybe it might be too sensitive. 
and too much of a mystery for some of the something of the gods. So what you've got with 14 Peaks, everything you see is real. What Nermal and his team do, they go up all these mountains and they take, you know, GoPros, they take other cameras themselves just to capture every single minute that they're up on these peaks. And they do, it's over the course of seven months. But you also get other events, like you sort of get the relationship that you have with Namal and his mother, the, the relationship that Namal has with his wife and the, and his, his other brothers. You know, it's not just literally them up a mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, there's no room for imagination. What what you see is what you get. And yeah, I mean, some of the footage they do get is absolutely astounding. I mean, yeah. they're kind of risking their lives every single time they go up one of these peaks. And obviously, it's not just one peak that they do. It's kind of 14 of them, and 14 of some of the most dangerous places in the world. I think each peak is up over 8,000 feet, and obviously they call that the death zone, wow. where your brain can't really cope without oxygen if it's you know if it's up there for too long, or a lack of oxygen, I should say. But um, yeah, it's just one big high octane adrenaline rush, which is <laughs> which is fine. It might that's what we like, and I I really I liked it. You liked it then. You I did. did. I did like it, but I just have a problem. I think you commented on it when we were talking about the Son of the Gods as toxic macho bullshit that you sometimes see in sports films. Yeah, I'm Is trying it- not to bring like the culture war into stuff, but like it's it just it you know like I that is just my well, it's experience. Not, well, let's let's not get into that. It's not <laughs> it's, it's not about the culture war. This isn't about the culture war. But what it is, is is about someone who's superhuman, someone who's an alpha male in yeah. in the male and I just we're constantly told about his mentality and his physical prowess and I just don't think you can really relate to him or I don't think you can empathise with him really. It's just because he, he's so much of a superhuman. Yeah. And he takes risks that no other human being would take. Like, there's one mountain that they get to and him and his team, which are three other uh, Nepalese mountaineers, they all climb it hungover. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just completely <laughs> reckless. And yeah, and I mean, but that's, you know... The, that's just you, appalling! You do, you do kind of laugh at it, but there's also another peak that they get to where a, a, there's a group of climbers who haven't climbed because the, the uh, conditions are too dangerous. And they motivate them, or they tell them basically, no, just do it, don't think about it, just get up there and climb. You know, it's only fear that's t- holding you back. And that's completely senseless. I mean, I, as I say, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of climbing films. And bravery and mentality are big components of those films and it's what helps people become like the best version of themselves but also with some of these films it's like when people take too many risks they end up dying Mm. like that's the thing Uh, you can you can take risks in life but there are risks that you know if you do it at that level if you do it at eight thousand feet then then you're gonna die i mean everest which is um a film made about the john crowner book which is about two expeditions of people that climb up Everest, and there are a number of fatalities. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was—I um, can't remember exactly the the year it was, but it was the most. Yeah, it was the most deadly year in terms of that Everest took the took the most amount of lives really that year. And yeah, these these films, there's you know, there's there's huge amounts of jeopardy. And I think the thing that I didn't like about Fourteen Peaks, nothing's impossible. It's just completely disregarded. And actually, these group of mountaineers, I mean, they make history. But they do it in such a reckless fashion. And I, I don't know, it's a lot to do with kind of nationality as well. Because he talks about how proud he is of his Nepalese heritage. And obviously for a long time, Sherpas, when they've been climbing out, they've been helping other people from other countries climb mountains. Kind of the Sherpas kind of often been 
left behind or the fact that he's been able to take people up there and basically he's the reason that they've got there and then when these people have come down from the mountain all they talk about is themselves yeah. they've never really shared that achievement with Sherpas and you get the sense this is what you know that's one of the good parts of the film that it's highlighting their efforts more and more but also at the same time I just couldn't get past yeah how macho it, it was in parts and that's why I just really preferred the summit of the gods because there's just something so much more beautiful and mysterious about it and soulful I'd say yeah but you you, you like 14 peaks Perfect choice for the segment, but it sounds like the anti Summit of the Gods. It depends. So it really doesn't make me want to watch it. But it depends what you're in the mood for, right? Yeah, because that's true. It's true. This this guy, he's made history. He's not only made history, but he's broken records. That the last person that was able to climb all those fourteen peaks, it took them seven years. Yeah, and the Mal, sorry, Namal and his team do it in seven months. It's it's an amazing achievement, and, and everything you see is real, but. I just didn't get the sensitivity. I didn't get the sort of, yeah, the mystique that I got from the Summit of the Gods. But, yeah, it's 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 just a, what mood you're in for. You might, yeah, be, you might be in the mood for something like a bit more, a bit more quicker and a bit more, as I say, a bit more of an adrenaline rush. I know there'll be people listening who say, no, I'd rather watch a documentary than I ever would an animation. Yeah. But I just think there's more to remember from the animation than there is from, from, a, from a, this documentary. Yeah. Still so it sounds incredible and stuff, but... Well, well, but they're both on Netflix. They're both on Netflix. Make, you got no excuse. I mean, <laughs> but still, now talking about this on this podcast, none of these make you want to go mountain climbing. No, still not. No, um, I'd say for people who are getting more interested in mountain climbing by listening to us, other great films are Free Solo, uh, which won the Oscar for mm. a best documentary. The Dawn Wall. Dawn Wall's another one that's on on Netflix. If if you want to watch another climbing documentary, watch Touching the Void. Um, made over 20 years ago now, but still probably one of the best British documentaries ever made. And Everest with with Josh Brolin and Jason Clarke, Jake Gyllenhaal as well. You know, that's a bit more of a broader film, but still really, really well made action adventure film. I think you should just do a podcast on climbing films. That's that's clearly a thing. Well, I ma- could do, yeah. Maybe you could do a podcast on climbing films while doing some climbing. That's a little fun little gimmick, huh? Yeah, maybe up one of those kind of small walls that you get in gyms. Yeah, that'd be... That's that's a, that's a lot nicer. I used to do a bit of that. They, they've got nice big mats, so when you fall off, you get a soft landing. Not like real mountains, where it's just, you know, rocks. Wow, we, we've gone from climbing Everest to, to falling onto <laughs> mats in sports halls. It's not great. But... What, what a descent. <laughs> oh, what a... Oh, that's a great pun. Thank you so much for listening to Films Are Better Than People. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now so you never miss an episode. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. And don't forget to come follow us on Twitter at Films Are Better and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Films Are Better.